Good evening. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. We um, um, <clears throat> we would like to enlist George to do some testimonials for our type of ministry. That was that was compelling, and now he's got me all jumbled. I forgot what I was going to say. Listening to his, <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of what got me into missions. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we're with Mission to the World, and for the few of you folks that might be here that don't know, Mission to the World is the the mission sending agency for the PCA, and um, we have been with Mission to the World for a little over 13 years, and I got started in missions by going on a, on a short-term trip. I went to uh, Jamaica back in the early 90s. Um, let me back that up a minute. Um, at Mission to the World, they kind of train us to talk about our call of missions, <clears throat> and uh, I like to title my call the anti-call. Uh, as a young man uh, growing up in church in uh, Camden, New Jersey, a missionary came to the church, and, and he was from, I think he was ministering in Turkey at the time, and he just told this horrible story about how hard it was to be a missionary in in, in, in an Islamic country, and I'm maybe all of 12 or 13, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, God's going to want me to be a missionary. <laughs> so that was the anti-call to missions for me. But it was uh, some years later that uh, that I went on the trip to Jamaica. And when I got there, we were doing some construction. Uh, what's the word? Uh, coincidentally, at the deaf ministry, they were building a deaf village there. And uh, we were building the three homes that would be the, the managerial staff. And... When we got there, the missionaries that were taking care of us brought us to the job site. They said, here's the material. You know, this is what we need to do. And they went on their way. And, I, and so during the week, I'm thinking, well, that's what I do at my job practically. Every day, I take my crew to the job site. I say, here's the materials, what you need to do. And, and so it was, it was through that that the Lord started to um, draw me into this idea of being a short-term missionary. So it was... Um, it was through that experience that I came home to my wife, Kathy, and I said, I think the Lord's calling us into missions. And she uh, calmly looked at me and said, uh, well, you know, why don't we pray about it for a year and go back and then see if the Lord's still calling you to that, <laughs> that work. And I did do that, and we did uh, end up um, getting in touch with Mission to the World about being a short-term missionary for a couple of years where we would be in the area of con- coordinating teams and whatnot. And who wouldn't want to do that in uh, Jamaica? I mean, if you're going to be a missionary, what better place to be? (laughs) Well, the Lord had other plans. What we found out uh, shortly after we went through the process was that the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf didn't take first-time missionaries with teenage children. And our oldest son, who is now 33, turned 13. And they said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We have this policy. So Kathy and I thought, well, we're off the hook. You know, we're, we, we'll just stay in New Jersey. I, I have my little construction business. We weren't, you know, the, uh, the richest company, the biggest company, but we were comfortable. But then Mission to the World, they didn't give up. They called and said, hey, we can have a couple other ministries that might be able to use you guys in, in that capacity. Can we give them your names? And I don't know if it was wisely or foolishly. We said, well, sure, you know, no problem. And so, sure enough, we get a call from David White, who was on the border at El Paso Juarez at the time as the administrator for the BEAM team, and he asked us if we would consider Juarez. So 
we went down there for about a four-day visit, and um, when you're coming from kind of suburban Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, if you notice, I don't have an accent because I am from South Jersey. So, you know. <laughs> um, we went to Juarez, and it was it was a pretty stark difference. And it was in January, so it was kind of cold and gray. And we were there for four days, and the team, you know, they took us to the airport and said, we want to give you guys an invitation. We hope you'll consider joining our team. And Kathy and I got on the plane and said, no way. We <laughs> no way are we going to this place. So we, we made a list of pros and cons about going to Juarez. And, of course, um, the pros was, was pretty stacked, and then we had the cons, but the cons were not really reasons. They were excuses. And so we accepted the call to go to Ciudad Juarez. And um, we just, like George, we just grew to love the people and the work and just to see uh, people change. Um, it was just amazing. So our two years were up, and we, we stayed another half a year to do the teams that summer, and we just kind of felt at that time maybe, maybe the Lord's calling us full-time to this type of ministry. So we, we kind of prayed about it, and we had some confirmation from some fellow missionaries and the teams that would come. And so we, we um, went to Mission of the World and said, we're considering full-time. What do we need to do? And so we went through the Rev and all the different things that they put you through, and they, they uh, approved us for full-time missions. Um, that's, this part of the story is how we kind of actually uh, started our relationship with First Press Making. We joined the team in northern Mexico, and uh, I think it was Don Blackburn and, and, and John Kinzer came down for a visions trip to see what was going on in Monterey, and, and they were just uh, really excited about what was going on there, and I am too. There's a lot of great things. You know, lots of people ask us, well, how many PCA churches are you planning in Mexico? And my answer, unfortunately, is zero. <laughs> you really can't plant PCA churches in Mexico, but what I always tell the folks is the churches that we are planting in Mexico are the closest thing to a PCA church that you'll find in Mexico. Um, the, the national leadership there, especially in Monterey, is just doing a great job in planting churches around not only Monterey, but they just started a work uh, a couple years back in, in Durango, and they're having plans to do something in La Paz. So it's, it's kind of a, a great thing that's going on all across northern Mexico. Unfortunately for Kathy and I, about 2010, 2011, the violence got very, uh, well, it got, excuse me? Unpredictable. Unpre well, unpredictable, to say the least. It, it, at some point, you could kind of predict and, and keep teams safe, but it got to the point where it was so unpredictable and just during the day, during the night, here and there, that they decided to, to cancel any kind of short-term ministries, any kind of folks coming in to uh, Monterey to do any kind of work. So we were kind of, what do we do now? And at the time, we actually were in Costa Rica getting a little more Spanish, and we knew that there was a new work starting up there. So when they suspended the work in Monterey, it seemed like the natural fit for us just to kind of swing into Costa Rica. And that's where we have been the last two years, doing very similar work, working with the church planners, doing construction pro projects, uh, VBS, visitation, these types of things that create opportunities for the pastors to share the gospel with folks that they wouldn't necessarily have. So... Like George was saying, the teams that come, it's just an exciting way 
to create opportunities to help the churches grow. And not only that, but for the folks that come, they inevitably um, are blessed. So Kathy and I see our ministry as kind of, we get it, you know, twofold. We get to make great friends and relationships with the nationals, but then with the teams that come, we build relationships with them. So um, we just uh, really feel blessed to be in this type of ministry. And just and uh, real quick, just prayer requests. Um, we are in the process of looking for a new field, so we would love to enlist your prayers to pray with us that we, we would be exactly where the Lord has um, called us to be. Mexico is open again, and that's really exciting to see the people coming back down into different parts of Mexico. And we have friends at Rianosa and friends at Casa Ogar, so there's amazing opportunities. Nobody is too old. Um, any skill you have, just being who you are, is enough of a qualification to be able to come on a trip. Just if you're sitting and playing with kids and you don't speak the language, but you can throw a ball, they love to spend time with you. So if you want some ideas or you have questions, please feel free to um, come and talk to us back there. And um, so we would enlist your prayers with us that we would be exactly where God wants us to be for this next term. On a personal level, I know some of you were praying for our granddaughter. In April, she was diagnosed with leukemia at four and a half months. She's in remission now, and so that's um, a real blessing. But if you could continue just to pray for us as we serve our son and daughter-in-law and his family while we're on home ministry assignment, we would really appreciate that as well. And our son is 17. He's come back to the United States for his junior year and probably his senior year, and um, just for his adjustment process. He's been in latin central america his whole life and um culture is a little bit different and so we would appreciate prayers for him and wisdom to where he goes after he graduates thank you thanks next up or Bob and Mary Lee Balatho, uh, ministry partner serving in Uganda. Uh, in 2005, uh, Bob traveled to Biloxi, Mississippi. In 2005, if you remember, that's when Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast region. And the intention was to go down there for a week. And he stayed two and a half years. <laughs> uh, what turned into some temporary help turned into a long-term commitment. Uh, after leaving Biloxi, uh, God then called them to Uganda. And in 2010... They began a ministry uh, called Africans Teaching Africans. Uh, What began as a ministry to teach pastors how to preach and teach the Bible has expanded greatly. Uh, A branch of this ministry also reaches out to the youth uh, where they are, and they have students in their home each week for Bible study. And we're very excited now to hear uh, the testimony of what's going on in Uganda. Well, we're certainly glad to be with you this evening. It's been uh, it's our first missions conference here, and we're enjoying it. hope you are. I want to be up front with you. One of the main purposes I'm here for is to recruit somebody to come over to Uganda and join us and maybe replace me. We, uh, we have a very exciting ministry there. We're very busy, and we could certainly use some help. Now, my wife and I... We're business people, but in 2005, as was mentioned, 
Hurricane Katrina came, and I volunteered. I had sold our business, and I volunteered for one week. Um, the elder at the church there wouldn't let me get away with that, so we ended up spending two and a half years. We lived in the parking lot at the church and worked out of First Presbyterian Church, Biloxi. And one of the things that we really enjoyed was our relationship with this church because many times during that time, people would come from Macon and they would bring food and really good cooks. And for those of you that were members, we really thank you. And it was was interesting. They got so well known, these ladies from uh, Macon, that... When people would call up and say, we want to come down and bring a team uh, to work, but can you tell us, are the ladies from Macon going to be here this week? <laughs> and uh, some teams would, they'd move a week or two to make sure they could be there. So anyway, that's how we began our relationship with First Pres Macon was, was 10 years ago. Now, I know I'm only supposed to speak for seven minutes, but I want to warn you, in Africa, uh, time has a different meaning. It's not an exact science. Um, If you're supposed to go to a wedding at 11 o'clock, if you show up by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're not going to be late. So if I run a little bit late, but I'm going to be careful because I'm I'm not sure if there's a trap door underneath me and it might go... But seriously, I have an awful lot I want to share with you. I hope you'll come tomorrow when I'll have a little more time to share what the Lord is doing with us in, in, in uh, Uganda. We, uh, we left Biloxi in the middle of April in 2008. And by the end of August of 2008, we were in Uganda in just a few months. The Lord led us, well, first we spent some time learning, God, why are we here? And he showed us a need. I think, this is my opinion, that the single biggest, the single biggest thing that's holding the church back from advancing in Uganda, East Africa, the rest of Africa, and much of the world, is people don't have Bible preaching. They go to church on Sunday morning, and they hear sermons like, God helps those who help themselves, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. The preacher never, doesn't even know what the Bible is. And it's, whole, it's, a, it's a serious problem. In Uganda, it is estimated that there are thirty to 40,000 untrained pastors. These are people, they become a Christian, and a few months later they say, I'm a pastor, and they start preaching. Well, fortunately, many of these people are willing to learn. But there's a problem. We don't have enough Bible colleges. We don't have places for them to go. They don't have the money to go. Uh, We love the Bible colleges. I know you're involved with African Bible colleges. Uh, Westminster Theological College is a good uh, Bible college close to where we live. But the problem is when you need 30,000 trained pastors, these Bible colleges can't begin to do the job. So I prayed about it and God showed me, he said, We've got everything we need here in Uganda to teach these pastors. And so, little by little, Africans teaching Africans took place. Now, the way it works, it's real simple. Uh, We recruit Bible college graduates to be our teachers. It's a volunteer thing. uh, We don't pay any money. You do it because you love the Lord. And the way it works is, uh, let's say this fellow here is a Bible 
uh, you're in Bible college. And I'm speaking at your Bible college, and I'll say to you, oh, what's your name? And you tell me, and I'll say, where are you from? Oh, you're from Gulu. And what do you want to do when you graduate? And you say, well, I want to go back and be a pastor. And I say, that's great. Going back and being a pastor is great. But what I'd like you to do is one day a week for maybe three or four hours, you find those pastors close to where you live, and you teach them how to preach out of the Bible. To help you, we've got a complete set of teaching notes you can use. Uh, we encourage you to take our teaching notes, which are written in English. Take your Bible, the notes you made when you were in Bible college. Take your Bibles and then teach in your local language. It's working. After we started this in 2010, uh, at the current time, it's kind of hard to give you exact numbers because in Africa, nothing's exact. Um, in South Sudan, we don't know what's happening there. We had a very active work, but they've had a very strong civil war for the last year and a half. But conservatively, we have more than 200 classes right now in Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, South Sudan. We have over 3,000 pastors being trained right now, and it's, it's, a, it's a work of the indigenous church. Very little money. So that's African Teaching Africans. Tomorrow I'll tell you more about it if you come. But I want to tell you there's another ministry we're involved in now. It's called Indians Teaching Indians. I never intended to expand our ministry to India. But at the end of 2013, my wife and I were in India, and I was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. Well, that required me spending some time in India for treatment. And... Because of that, the, I, I made acquaintances with Indian Christians, and they, I told them what I was doing, and they said, we want this teaching. You need to bring it to India. And so now we have Indians teaching Indians. Uh, tomorrow I'll tell you about how the Lord miraculously took my stage 4 lung cancer, made it stage 1, was operated on, and as of three weeks ago, there is no cancer in my body that can be found. So... Now, another ministry we're involved in, and my wife is primarily involved in it, but she hasn't had time to prepare anything to say tonight, so I'll talk for her. She, we've, we've only been in the country a short while, and we're still catching up. Anyway, it's called Africans Teaching Africans Youth. We currently have around 70 children who we are supporting. Now, 30 of them are in an orphanage. It's a, an orphanage that is operated by Ugandans, very good people, but they're underfunded. So every once in a while, they'll start to run out of food, and my wife will go down and she'll bring in a few hundred kilos of different kinds of foodstuffs. And the kids always love to see her coming because, you know, these kids look at their storeroom and they, they see the food going down, down, and it's getting almost out, and they get a little nervous, and she'll drive up and they'll help her unload. They're so happy. Well, we also, on Sunday mornings, we go out to this orphanage and we teach the children about Jesus. The other 30-some, we support them in varying degrees. And we, while we provide for them physically, we also provide for them spiritually. Uh, we require our children to go. There's a, a large Presbyterian church real close to us. They're required to go to Sunday school and worship. After that, we provide a lunch, and they come to my house for two hours of Bible study every Sunday afternoon. We meet outside. Uh, we're too big to meet in our house. 
We average about 50 per class, and that's about all we can handle. A couple months ago, we got up to 60, which we really can't handle. And I might say this church provided the money for that tarpaulin that we meet under where we, where we have our class every Sunday. So thank you for that. We've seen some good results from our children. We've got two of them in Bible, class, uh, Bible college right now. Uh, one of them's cooking at a Bible college. He's not good at books, so he's, he's a cook there. Anyway, probably the trap door is going to open up if I don't. And uh, I hope you'll come tomorrow. Uh, sign up for our newsletters over at our booth. We'd love to let you know what we're doing. I think we have a very exciting ministry, and I think you'll enjoy learning more about it. Thank you. Before I introduce Hal, I want to take a moment to pray for our missionaries who presented uh, this evening, but I also wanted to call your attention to a little half sheet of paper that's sitting on your table. Uh, if you've been following the news as of late, you know uh, the situation that's going on in the Middle East, specifically with the Coptic Christians who have been beheaded, murdered by ISIS. Uh, we just wanted to take a moment to pray for them, to pray for uh, many of you, if you're on social media, you perhaps have even seen the videos, the horrific things that are happening to them, uh, being beheaded, burned alive, uh, and we wanted to uh, to pray for them, pray for those that are mourning, uh, and just had a few uh, facts on there uh, that you can see what's going on, and uh, they're brothers and sisters in Christ, and so we do want to pray for them. Would you pray with me now as we pray for our missionaries as well as what's going on in the Middle East? Dear Lord, we are so excited to hear what you're doing in the lives of George Nottingham, the uh, the Belethos, uh, Father, and then Scott and Kathy Craig. We thank you for their faithfulness uh, to go. Uh, you, you have called many to go into the uttermost parts of the world and to preach your gospel, to love people, to provide needs. Uh, we thank you that they're doing that. Uh, Lord, would you encourage them? Would you provide for them the things that they need? Uh, Lord, we specifically pray for Scott and Kathy, for their uh, son as he's transitioning uh, to school in the United States for his junior and senior year of high school, would that that would go well, that he would make friends, uh, that he would uh, build, feel comfortable here, that he would do well. Uh, we pray for that transition for him. And Lord, that you would give them direction where you might be calling them next, uh, that you give them clarity and wisdom as they discern that. And Lord, would you, would you provide for them in that way? Lord, for Bob and Mary Lee, we uh, pray that someone would come to, to succeed them. Uh, Lord, that uh, you might be stirring perhaps someone within uh, this room tonight that might be eager to go to Uganda and be with these youth, be with these folks there who need you, and they need your gospel. Uh, but, Lord, we thank you for each of these who have presented this evening. Would you bless their trips that are upcoming? Would you bless their time on the field? Would you provide for them? Uh, and, Lord, thank you so much for them. Would you uh, continually remind them of your grace and mercy that you have poured out for us, uh, and would you uh, give them confidence in you? And, Lord, we pray for the situation going on uh, with the Coptic Christians. Uh, Lord, it's hard to understand. We're angered, we're frustrated, we're fearful. Uh, we know that you are the God of all things. We know that you are in control. There's not one thing that happens that you do not know about and that you are sovereignly administering. But Lord, we pray for these Christians as they mourn. We pray for their comfort. Lord, we pray that this would stop happening. 
Lord, it is, it's difficult to understand. We pray that uh, we pray for these brothers and sisters. We mourn with them. We pray that they would receive strength from you. We thank you for their testimonies of perseverance, their testimonies of faith. We pray also for the Christians that are still in that region. Would you keep them safe, that this would not happen to them? Lord, would you give them hope and confidence in what you've done, give them endurance and faith? Well, we cannot imagine what they're going through. We thank you that we don't face those same things here. Lord, you have protected us, but we ask that peace would come to that area. Thank you that those are willing to, that there are some that are willing to give up their lives for you. They'd rather give up their lives than denounce you, renounce their faith, that they love you so much. Lord, would you give us the same kind of faith? Lord, we also pray for our brothers and sisters suffering around the world. We plead that God would grant them joy and strength. Lord, we, we do confess that we are frustrated. We're angered at what happens. But, Lord, would you, would you turn the hearts even of those radical Islam, Islamists, the ISIS, Lord, would you turn their hearts to you? Would you save them, Lord? It's hard to even say that, but we cry out for justice. We cry out for your mercy. We would, if not for your grace, we would be doing the same things. Lord, at the same time, like the martyrs under your altar in Revelation chapter 6, O sovereign Lord, how long? When will you act and bring justice to this world? When will you vindicate your saints and judge the wicked for the sake of your great name? Lord, we pray that you would come quickly. We long to see you. We pray that your kingdom would come very soon. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.